Welcome to Commedia del Cinema, the podcast that explores the making of and legacy of some of comedy's best movies. I'm one of your hosts, Jordan Wool. And I'm your other host, Emily Walborn. And today, we've got a very special guest. I believe he works in marketing? Yes, that's correct. That's great. Well, Dakota Lovins is here, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for that beautiful bio. It's always annoying when you go on a podcast and they like don't know, like they just like didn't you know research the questions. They ask you stuff that they Mm -hmm. should too. So I appreciate that attention. (laughs) What you know, and this is just for future reference. What other details would you prefer to be in a in a bio? How how do you like to be introduced? I don't know. I feel like uh, when people introduce me most of the time, like when people meet me for the first for the first time, the first thing they like in like notice is my height. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's usually mm-hmm. a key part of my bio, even though okay. the fact that you're really short. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're one foot tall. Yeah. Well, almost eleven and three quarters inches, so not quite. Get around up. Um, I I don't know. I feel like height. Yeah, definitely marketing. People look at me and they can tell I work in marketing most of the time. So that's in the bio a lot. Um, <laughs> I've lived as all, all over the place. That's in the bio quite a bit. You know, I don't feel like I do anything interesting. So mm. I, there's not much to cover in the the biography of, of this short, short man. You know, I think you'd be a perfect fit for marketing a freaking basketball hoop. Yeah. <laughs> like trying to get, like, what do you mean? Like marketing the basketball hoop, like making more people know that basketball hoops are like out there. They should buy them or well, you stand next to a basketball hoop and then people (laughs) it's a good good scale. Like a visual. (laughs) They're like, oh okay. It's it's taller than eleven inches and three quarters. I see. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. I've enjoyed the podcast a lot so far. Even though I'm not a fan of comedy, famously, I think. It's bad, but thanks for having me on to kind of, you know, argue the other side of it. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we're finding out on this podcast is all comedy is bad. Yeah, it's just <laughs> none of it's good. <laughs> uh, do you want to tell tell everyone what movie we're talking about today, Emily? Oh, sure. Yeah, I guess we haven't said we are continuing our star-driven comedy series, hitting it hard on the 2010s with the Big box office pro Will Ferrell in Talladega Nights, the ballad of Ricky Bobby. Let's give it up for Ricky Bobby, everyone. Um, before before we get into into the movie, Dakota, wh- where are you at with Will Ferrell? Uh, how- I like Will Ferrell a lot. You know, he was a big, I, I think my mom and dad, have, are they're not huge movie people and they're not like huge comedy movie people in particular mm-hmm. but for whatever reason will ferrell really like captured their attention in the mid 2000s as he did for much of white america mm-hmm. in, in that era um so he's a big part of like growing up for me so you know like i think the first will ferrell movie i saw was kicking and screaming which is you know not one that i think un- anybody likes but i have a very soft spot in my heart for that movie because it was like a formative piece of of comedy for me um and then of course mike ditka turned out to be such a genuinely good kind <laughs> person so i've always <laughs> liked that about it as well um but yeah i think just growing up with will ferrell and watching his movies as a kid i never dislike him in the way that that some people mm-hmm. do because of that but I, I yeah i'm always pro will ferrell i'm happy when he shows up and it sounds like he's actually like a good kind 
sweet person to to work with and uh i enjoy when he does not you know leading roles in comedies mm-hmm. exciting to see him and barbie coming up this mm-hmm. year that sort mm-hmm. of stuff so i'm always happy That's when Will shows up in something yeah. yeah he you know apart from the fact that i wish he'd paid me as an intern he yeah. was very <laughs> he was very nice the in the maybe two minutes in total i've interacted with the man <laughs> Yeah, that's more oh. than most people have interacted with them, I feel like. That's, I guess, uh, you know, I guess it is more than some. But in a way, we all interact with him when we watch his films, you know. Are you too uh, pro fair? I, I know, I, not to spoil, I, am I allowed to spoil if we like the movie or not? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I like the movie. I think you yeah. guys like the movie from what I've seen on Letterboxd. So mm-hmm. I know you like this one. Do you like him, like, overall? Yeah, he, um, similarly... I've been been a fan since I was I was a kid. Um, you know, I wasn't watching SNL from '95 to 2002 because I was born <laughs> in 1996. But I had the best of. But you DVDs. started in '96 then, so not '95 yeah. through but '96. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I was born September '96, which is good because the season started in late September. So <laughs> you were able to uh, catch it from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, I was able to get <laughs> caught up. Um. But yeah, I've always been a big fan of all of his stuff. I have fond memories of renting Anchorman on DirecTV at age eight and watching it probably 500 times and then seeing this movie uh, in a in the Aberdeen, South Dakota mall theater when I was nine with a broken <laughs> leg. So I had to be in, in a wheelchair for, uh, in the back. But, uh, it was a good time. What Did about you, you? Your parents took you in a wheelchair to see Talladega Nights when you were nine years old? Well, there was no other accessible way to get around the mall. So, yeah, we had to rent a wheelchair. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Did, you, Did you get the wheelchair just to see this movie? Well, I mean, I think so, because otherwise, I don't know. <laughs> well, because I had a walker for the most part, because they gave up on teaching me crush, crutches after about 20 seconds in the hospital. And they were like, forget it, just take a walker. <laughs> so, and yeah, it was difficult to get around. So, got wheeled in. It was either going to be that or Barnyard because those came out the same, the same weekend. I think you made a good choice. I agree. But it's strange to think about the time where I was at an age where I was equally interested in seeing Talladega Nights <laughs> or Barnyard. Emily, what's your, what's your feral history? Uh, I I do love Will Ferrell. I first time I ever watched SNL was a rerun of uh I think it was a presidential best of or something like that, and he was playing Bush, of course, naturally. Billy. Um, yeah, exactly. And I've I've always really liked him. He's never been necessarily my go-to big comedy star that I watch a lot. Like I I've seen some of Anchorman. Uh. We saw Step Brothers fairly recently. Saw this one fairly recently, like within the last couple of years. So and there's a lot of his filmography that I am not very familiar with, but I do love Will Ferrell. I'm always happy to see him in movies. I like that. I feel like out of comics from that area or from that era, he has a lot of like silly energy to him. Like mm-hmm. his comedies, mm-hmm. they have the like the juvenile sense of humor a lot, which isn't always my cup of tea. But I feel like. Were they called the frat pack, or is that a different era that I'm thinking of? Was that they the were frat the frat pack? It's arguable that the frat pack never existed technically, but but I know what era, you know, what yeah. group of because I feel like, like you think of that era and you think of like really raunchy like 
teenage boy kinds of comedies. Mm-hmm. And Will Ferrell definitely mm-hmm. has that that sense of humor, but I think he brings a lot of just like pure silliness, manic energy to to his projects, which mm-hmm. is much more in my wheelhouse. So I like mm-hmm. when just something like so goofy and absurdist happens in, in his movies. I think that's maybe why I'm drawn to him more than others. Yeah, I think that's why I like, we had a big discussion last week about Adam Sandler and mm-hmm. how I'm not much of an Adam Sandler fan. And I think Will Ferrell plays a lot of similar kinds of immature uh dumb characters yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the approach is so different and the perspective on those kind of characters is so different where i feel like sometimes adam sandler while equally silly and goofy can be a bit more mean-spirited mm-hmm. i do like kind of the more i don't know it's like it's kind of a, a cockiness and that will ferrell brings to it that almost makes you go like oh you're so like sweet dummy you don't know yeah. what's happening <laughs> <laughs> and i think in a movie like this or like I was sick last week. And so I rewatched before I even knew I was going to be on this podcast, but I was just like watching comedies from that era. So like rewatched Anchorman for the first time, in like 10 years. And I know he's not in it, but I rewatched like walk hard um, mm-hmm. and some other movies from that era. I feel like something that I noticed about Talladega nights, as opposed to like what you're talking about, Emily, like an Adam Sandler comedy is this movie and other Will Ferrell movies. I feel like make the most absurd choice at every turn, just structurally where mm-hmm. instead of like, a more basic kind of story would be like, you know, he struggles on the racetrack, he falls off, like that kind of stuff is typical, but like um, sending him to the hospital, like now he's going to get in a car crash and he's going to go be in the hospital for a while and pretend like he can't use his legs. Mm-hmm. And now he's going to come home and his wife is going to be married to his best friend. Like they just make like big, big swings like that, um, that enhance the more typical, like starts big, falls down, gets back up kind of story structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think is what works for this movie as compared to we did Happy Gilmore last week. And that I did not really care for the structure or the, necessarily the plot of that movie because it was very kind of he's he's not angry. Now he's angry. He's oh, mm-hmm. is he going to actually not be angry this round? No, he is. Uh, whereas, yeah, I think with Talladega Nights, the writing is just a little bit more there in terms of story and characters and it it makes it more exciting to watch. Yeah. Yeah. The, the choice to have so many, um, so many different detours in the story is fascinating because yeah, I think with this particular narrative, most, most writers would start with him on top Mm -hmm. and have, and, and we get there really quickly, but it's odd that we see so much of, his childhood and then him getting into racing and then the the initial rise up mm-hmm. there. It's truly clearly designed to feel a bit more like a epic isn't r- right, but you know, something a bit more expansive. Yeah. Almost like uh, it, it's almost kind of has a feel of a documentary or a documentary series where you're really tracking one person's career. Mm-hmm. Rise from, like, from, yeah. Yeah. I love that opening stretch too. Like when he wins his first race and they they interview him and he's so bad <laughs> with the microphone. That's been just a staple like quote in my like I'm just not sure what to do with my hands. <laughs> my family just said since we saw this movie for the first time, I always love that. Well, I mean, when it when it starts and we get the really silly quote from who was it? Eleanor Today? Roosevelt. America's all about speed. Hot, nasty, badass speed. <laughs> The way they they just set how goofy the the tone of the movie is going to be right from the beginning is pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. 
you two are probably more well-versed in this than I am. Um, just based on, I feel like Jordan, especially your, your kind of tastes. Cause I'm a little bit younger than you, but I, I've seen some of the Adam McKay, Will Ferrell comedies, but not all mm-hmm. of them. Like, do you think this one is the kind of like goofiest? Well, I, other than like Anchorman, I suppose that one's pretty just. Stepbrothers if, feels pretty goofy. I'm Stepbrothers is I definitely the goofiest. Yeah. Uh, that movie's really loose. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love it, but it that's also a hard R, which is the only one in which McKay and Farrell do that. So you can feel them like unleashing mm-hmm. everything that they couldn't do in PG-13 movies. If anything, this is... This or the other guys are the um, the least crazy. Okay, probably okay. the other guys, um, but these are the two that have the most traditional, I guess, um, traditionally coherent scripts. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the other guys kind of a classic crime. Yeah, I like that one a lot. That's yeah. that's one of my other favorites. In terms uh, of comedies of two thousand six, what's oh going boy. on? There's so much. I don't think we're even going to name all of them. Um, Okay. What do we have here? We've got Borat. Highly relevant to this I was wondering about that. I decided not to research it um, because I wanted to give my genuine surprised reaction on the podcast. But I (laughs) was, he came on and I thought, Sasha Baron Cohen, is this like, is he big yet? Has Borat happened or is it about This to? is August. Borat comes out in November. Wow. So did people know who he was? I was, you know, I was seven. So I have no, I, I don't think I knew who Sasha Baron Cohen was in 2006, probably. But did like normal people? Comedy fans did. I don't think a lot of people did because like he had the Ali G show um, on HBO for a few years. But I don't know. You know, I think this is his big introduction to American audiences. Um, other big movies, other big comedies accepted with Mr. Uh, Jonah Hill and Justin Long. The Benchwarmers, one of the worst movies uh, I've ever seen. <laughs> Little Miss Sunshine, one of the best movies I've ever seen. Yeah, that's a great movie. Click, pretty good, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> Stranger Than Fiction. Will Ferrell's first crack at the dramatic uh, bat idiocracy, which is pretty mediocre, and I don't know how it's become a cult classic. Scary Movie 4 and For Your Consideration were, were some of the big ones that I found. Do mm. you see any others? I Not much else. It, it did seem to be kind of a year of either pretty big, goofy movies that came out slash uh kind of young guy <laughs> comedies mm-hmm. <laughs> like accepted bench warmers employee of the month saw something called beer league with oh yeah um ralph macho <laughs> and somebody else <laughs> yeah it's definitely mm-hmm. like a great time did you say for... she's the man yeah she's the man she's the man yeah, yeah that's true yeah i mean there's of course were some good classic rom-coms too with Jennifer Aniston, mostly starring in all of them. She had a stranglehold. She really did. You had to ask her first. <laughs> and then if not, you give it to Lindsay Lohan. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting, considering they're a full two decades apart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then with Hollywood, you can use the same 
like you don't need to change the ma- uh, the male lead for that like it's fine yeah <laughs> so you can offer it to vince vaughn and yeah. uh i don't know who else really was big at the time jack black yeah jack black oh nacho libre came out this year i haven't seen that movie in a long time probably since wonder- it came out classic you know a classic mike white script nacho lib nacho libre uh white lotus it's all pretty much the same schoolhouse school of rock and and the white lotus are pretty much the same story if you think about it here are some things mike white has written school of rock <laughs> nacho libre beatrice at dinner um, I like that movie. The Emoji Movie. <laughs> you wrote the Emoji Movie? Yeah. <laughs> what a strange man. Right? He works. It's true. That's something you can definitely say about him, especially now. He works and then he has uh, drunk, semi embarrassing speeches at award shows. <laughs> yeah. Um, Not the necessarily the best at giving speeches, but. He's sloppy, we'll say it. <laughs> uh any anyhow yeah i have a question for you guys um not necessarily specifically about this movie but i was just thinking about you listing off those movies and just like what a you know big era for like there's that amount of movies for comedies with big stars just uh, that doesn't get made in a year today mm-hmm. um so i was thinking about will ferrell in particular and just like glancing at his page the last two theaters m- movie that he led was mm-hmm. and watson in 2018 yep. the other the two most recent comedies that he's been like a vehicle for have both been straight to streaming eurovision which i know we all are mm-hmm. like probably the three biggest fans <laughs> I know. Of probably podcast right well, now. Great. Um, actually then, that's true once we when we do eurovision you got to come back on. yeah i love that movie <laughs> like, I, I think i've i think i have given it five stars before and then let other people shame me into dropping it to like a four and a half, but I love that movie so much. <laughs> um, but yeah, last year, Eurovision and then Spirited last year, which I don't know if you saw, but um, I'm not like a Ryan Reynolds guy, but I, I watched it anyway because I like Will Ferrell and I enjoyed mm-hmm. the Christmas musical Will Ferrell aspect of it. So both movies that I am positive on, both mm-hmm. went straight to streaming. Do you think like we will ever see another Will Ferrell-led comedy in theaters again? I do because... The fascinating thing about Spirited is it was it is an Apple movie, Mm -hmm. but and they didn't report box office grosses. I think it secretly did really, really well in theaters. Did they Um, only show it in like New York, L.A.? No, it was like it was in the the mall movie theater in my mom's town and it played for a full month. Which is Amazing. unheard of That's for so a streaming movie. Because usually yeah. they play the one or two weeks that they're contracted and then leave. Um, so I do think maybe based on um, the results of that, he's maybe going to give that another crack. But ultimately, I think it'll mostly be streaming for people like Farrell and Sandler doing straight comedies just yeah. because I don't think they want the risk of a theatrical release or that to all fall on them Mm -hmm. because i think they realize they're quite a bit later in their career for that sort of thing and i think just want to do things at a slightly lower budget Mm -hmm. you know get that return on investment quicker but i don't know then i guess follow-up is like who is the equivalent of a will ferrell like today that is like leading 
these big comedy movies. Simu Liu. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no one. But no. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's not really, really big comedy stars right now. Is are like people who are also superhero, like Ryan Reynolds, Dwayne Johnson, mm-hmm. and Kevin Hart are probably the three. Wow, That's probably bleak. Kevin Hart. Yeah, but he's he's, he's been closest. in he's drama actually... mode right now lately. Really? And I feel what? like oh well, there was that Upside movie which made over a hundred. And then million. he he made a movie like Dads or something. Oh, Dad or Father's like Day or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're working on a script together about how he's taller than me. <laughs> hey, now that will suck. Funny is funny. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care who it offends. <laughs> and it's an offensive script, let me tell you. That's the thing about you. You're an equal opportunity offender. Yeah. What I, what I, I punch at everybody for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but well, I think we'll see there's quite a few comedies coming out this summer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those in Hollywood are saying, wow, theaters might actually be back. Um, which, yeah, they have been for quite some time. Yeah, they, yeah. they seem so to be really back. catching on to that. On. <laughs> yeah. Now they're like, oh, maybe we shouldn't dump everything on streaming at the same time as it comes out in theaters. Yeah. Apple and Amazon are like being seen as like disruptors because of, of their idea that we're going to spend a lot of money on marketing some of our movies that we think could do well in theaters. Like, okay. You should have done that already. Air is already doing pretty well, actually. And what Apple has, uh, not comedies, but Napoleon and Killers of the Flower Moon that both theatrical releases this fall. Mm -hmm. Netflix has Tall Girl 3 coming to... (laughs) Is that going to be theatrical? (laughs) I don't even know if it exists. (laughs) I was going to say, I'm not even sure there's a Tall Girl 2. There is. (laughs) They should do Tall Girl 3 short boy. (laughs) <laughs> it's like the princess switch movies where they just keep adding tall girls to the cast there is a tall girl too and you know it's got pretty good reviews actually not not as bad as 60 are we talking well i guess it's only got eight critic reviews but it does have a 63 <laughs> out of this eight so okay so it would probably be a 45 if there were <laughs> the audience score is, is 29 so less encouraging okay interesting if the audience likes it less that's concerning. That feels targeted. I don't think anything gets 29 authentically. Because well, to your most point, people, maybe it's all the like, short boys trolling. Yeah. Yeah. It the first one only had a 22 audience score, so it's gone up. Like it's more popular. So if they I mean if they keep churning them out and they get those increases, it's only, you know, <laughs> nine movies before this is like a pushing for like maybe best original screenplay or, or well, I guess it'd be adapted <laughs> because it's it's a series, but Based, Based on, on characters created characters. by tall girls. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you want to talk a little bit about Adam McKay and Will Ferrell, seeing as you were once their employee? Yeah, Jordan, give us the, the details on this spicy well, breakup. Well, I I don't know much more about the breakup than anyone else. I, I heard fault? about it earlier because the, the woman, it was it was my fault. Is the woman who was the office manager at Gary Sanchez just texted me when it happened and said, Will and Adam broke up. Sad face. Um, <laughs> That's how she broke the news. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. But, you know, they started working together on SNL. Didn't know each other prior um, because Will Ferrell was a groundling. Uh, McKay was UCB before there was 
used to be, you know, like with that group um, doing. Chicago uh, VLA, Chicago slash New York VLA. Exactly. He was a Chicago boy. Um, but then they started writing together a lot. Um, I think they fully became partners when Will Ferrell decided uh, he didn't want to work with Chris Kattan anymore. I believe it's well noted that after Night at the Roxbury came out, Will Ferrell told Chris Kattan, like, I don't really want to work with you uh, ever again. And then I think they proceeded to do four more years of SNL together. Um, which... Was Chris Kattan like a little stinker? I don't know anything about about this. The thing is, he's he's gone through some pretty horrible stuff. Um, I think I think it's mostly just that people find him incredibly obnoxious. <laughs> you know as a as a comedian yeah yeah but Farrell and McKay start writing stuff together they wrote a car dealership comedy for a long time uh that was like a big hot script that later became Anchorman um I think loosely and then yeah they had a really fruitful partnership for a long time writing writing comedies together for Farrell to star in and McKay to direct and then their interests were slowly diverging i think for a long time and then uh mckay chose to cast uh john c Riley in his lakers show instead of feral uh and didn't tell yeah yeah Yeah. it all sounds so petty and silly but it makes me sad (laughs) i know yeah yeah i feel like it especially makes me sad that it was like john it wasn't just some like random guy it was like john c Riley who will ferrell's you know, good friends with too. I hope they're fine. I don't know if the, if you have insight into that, Jordan, but I hope they're still friends. Well, we saw Will Ferrell at the premiere of John Cirelli's movie that one time, okay. so cool. I true. assume they're okay. They're okay. I think there was some article where John Cirelli says, like, I'm in the middle, so I'm not going to speak about bad about either of them. Yeah. Um, I do know that I've mostly heard very good things about John Cirelli, but... When he showed up to Gary Sanchez, I didn't ever see him because he came through a secret entrance and then was a petulant little brat to my boss that whole day. Um, Interesting. Just a little, a little shit. But then we saw him uh, outside of that bar after the Sisters Brothers premiere, and it looked like he was having a great time and being nice to people. I've heard, heard he's mostly nice, and I think she admitted he was maybe just having a bad day but he was a dick to, to go <laughs> do you want to talk a little bit about the plot of the movie since okay. you since you rated it five stars after all it's true it's a four and a half five cusp but i thought what am i you know yeah who cares what's the what's the point <laughs> in holding death is coming for 98 percent of us in life um Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby, is a movie about a man who wants to go fast uh, ever since he was born, Ricky Bobby. He gets a chance to be a NASCAR racer. He gets on top. And then, sadly, with the introduction of a French Formula 1 driver, Jean (laughs) Girard, his whole world and his idea of who he is as an exceptional American is rocked. And he has to go back to the bottom and learn to humble himself before he can become the true Talladega Knight. You think they would have been able to sell something like this had it not been for 
elf really mm, maybe because i think i think anchorman is maybe more of a a lead into this than elf but i don't know but then again they did start pitching it during the making of elf so oh I don't know. well there you go so then and the whole that pitch matter I guess the entire pitch was just Will Ferrell as an NASCAR driver was like all they would expound upon. And that led to a bidding war. Man, if only you could sell comedies like that these days. Yeah. Kate McKinnon yeah. as a NASCAR driver. We won't say anything else. Jojo Ziwa as a long haul trucker. It's <laughs> all you need to know. Robert De Niro as a dirty grandpa. Oh. Now that is a good movie. <laughs> tall girl is a tall girl. Now, that would create chaos in Hollywood. <laughs> um yeah, what what do you guys I know we've talked about it a bit, but what do you what do you think about the movie overall? Feelings on the comedy, why it's funny, parts that aren't, etc. Emily, do you want to go for, I'll go oh, sure. Yeah, I was going to say I'll go first. Our guest, uh, please go please do go. I first I was just thinking about the NASCAR element of it and just interesting. I think that's interesting to think about now, given like the direction that Adam McKay's career took it. I feel like that probably was an area that he wanted to like explore. Um, and in some ways I feel like his like using NASCAR and like middle America's you, you see his like more modern sensibilities coming through where he's like really interested in political commentary um, and I think like this and the other guys work a lot better as a, a comedy and commentary than Vice or um, Don't Look Up or or anything like that. So I think that's interesting. Um, yeah, I think I think this movie is just so silly. I I it, I don't I don't know. Um, I love all of the bit characters who show up in it. I, like I especially love, and I again did not research this, so I'm sorry that I'm going to refer to him. But it, Kenneth from Thirty Rock, I love his mm -hmm. little side character Glenn in this one. Um, I think John C. Riley is un unsung as the hero of this movie. Mm -hmm. I think he's the the glue that kind of holds it together. And just in, in comedies in general, he is always so funny when yeah. he gets to exercise that muscle. And um, I, I it's funny because I was introduced to him through this, and then I had only watched his comedies. And then probably when I was like sixteen, I found out that he had a whole career even before this as like a serious <laughs> dramatic actor. With <laughs> And I was like, what the heck? That blew my mind. And he has uh, a band like, that's actually pretty good too. A band too? Wow, he really can yeah. do it. Um, maybe his band was having a rough day, and that's why he was mean to your boss. Or, <laughs> or maybe he got kicked out of the band. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. probably, I think it was probably the fact that he was there to do promotion for Holmes and Watson. Yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a rough thing. Tough to promote yeah. that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Not a lot of good stuff happening in that one. Um, yeah, I think that structurally, like we talked about, it's really, really strong. I think Sasha Baron Cohen is a delightful villain uh, figure in it. Um, all of the like B and C characters are are giving great, very funny performances. Amy Adams is is so silly. Jane Lynch <laughs> is great. Um, yeah, I, I think the only part that I get really bogged down, like the only thing that's keeping it, I gave it a four and a half that, that keeps it from a five for me is I, I do find the section with his dad to be like less rewarding. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, less funny and less inventive than some of the other stuff that's that's going on mm -hmm. but other than that i think it's like super tight structurally um i i like that they're willing to spend time doing things like 
cuts to infomercials or or things like that for little extended bits. Like they're not worried about just pushing the story forward. They're happy to have things like that happen. Um, oh gosh, I I can't remember the name of him now, but Jordan, it's the one that you said was Oscar worthy in one. Michael of your... Clark Duncan. Yes, I think he he's is, amazing. In he's this so movie. good in this. Which one? Who's that? He's uh, um. He's sort of the boss of the pit crew. What do you oh, call yeah, that? He's great. I feel like that's yeah. got a job title, probably. Foreman, I maybe. I could not care less about NASCAR in real yeah. life. And it's amazing that I enjoy this movie because there are big sections of it that are just like hard cuts to cars driving around in a yeah. circle. And I'm I did think about that watching that last night. I was like, imagine being there like in person and so boring. I could not do it. <laughs> Yeah, he's so funny. Don't you think that you want me, Ricky Bobby, is like another like formative quote for my family. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to say that to each other quite a bit, my mom especially. So yeah, just it, it's endlessly quotable. The bit characters are fantastic. I love how silly they're willing to be with little funny things. No, I think yeah, all all the points you make are what makes this movie work so well. I think I think what makes the car sections work particularly well is that not only the, just the direction and the cinematography for that those sections, but it is so tied to all of the emotional arcs and character arcs. Every single race is pushing the story along in some way, which I think is is obviously what makes a good any good action sequence. But it's mm-hmm. not. There's never a race where it's just like let's just okay let's just see some cars driving around yeah yeah that's true i mean i i think the races are interesting in this movie it's just more specifically nascar racing i find incredibly boring because it's yeah. just the one you know formula I mean, one is cool. like 500 miles that's so many miles it takes so long i know i know wouldn't you get dizzy that's what i think we get dizzy it's going like, around so fast and for so where are they times. going I do like the bit when uh, after Ricky's like been out of it for a while and they flash to uh, Michael Clark Duncan and the crew and they're working at like a car wash and they've yeah. actually like <laughs> they, they just the like, wheels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think like they're, they're what's great about the smaller characters is even the smaller characters get really good arcs and their bits are followed mm-hmm. through on throughout the whole movie. Like I, I think my favorite characters are his kids and their whole <laughs> their whole arc and <laughs> once they start living with Jane Lynch and it's just they have so many funny <laughs> jokes and lines but it's it's great because you could also see a, a lesser movie just keeping them as brats and mm-hmm. and just kind of heightening that and continuing to heighten that throughout the movie but yeah. it's it's fun that it's a full emotional mm-hmm. it's, arc it's for them. Empty. they don't even just correct them they like completely overcorrect to like <laughs> Now they're speaking like very stilted, weird grammar. <laughs> like at Applebee's, he's like, grandfather, can't we handle this without violence? It's <laughs> like talking in a way that now no kid or like mm-hmm. regular human talks. It's very, very silly. <laughs> yeah. While we're on the topic of those kids, I found something shocking in my research. About one of the kids? No, I mean, I didn't look up what they're doing now or oh. anything. I assume they're fine. Um, at the Stinker's Bad Movies Awards that year. Um, they nominated both kids for worst child performance. What? Which oh, so should not be a category. Yeah, in that's the first such place. a big category. I know those are kids. Why are you? Yeah, don't do that. Like, 
And I think I'm, they get very like fun performances. They're in the funny, especially yeah. the younger one. But the younger one has a lot of great lines. Uh, Dakota, you mentioned the dad, the dad stuff. I th- that's part of what I think elevates the movie from being a goofy comedy. Is like I feel like the beats are pretty standard in this, so I can see why it, why it would drag. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I just think Gary Cole is so good. Yeah, in everything, he is really good. And I do just, think yeah. it's, it's all worth it for the last bit where he like goes finally shows up to grab the tickets and you're like, oh, it's come full circle. And then he just immediately starts scalping Scal- them like that. <laughs> that makes that arc yeah. <laughs> worth it to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think but I think that also is kind of the epitome of their humor in this. And like you're saying, Dakota, with all the surprising turns they take because you would I, I was watching that part and thinking like, oh, wow, he's actually moved that he gets tickets to his son's race and then the surprise of ah, anybody want these tickets on for 60 bucks <laughs> so it's so funny uh we should also also mention molly shannon gosh uh, in this movie <laughs> yeah incredible Crushed it. I, so good. i love the it, it's not her line but in one of her early scenes the way uh, feral like plays the are you wasted already with so much like <laughs> Like, that's not even Ricky Bobby in that moment. It's just someone like, Jesus Christ, this woman is a mess. Yeah, she's great. Amy Adams also kind of an undersung hero in this movie, too. Doing a lot with a character that normally is nothing in a movie like, in a sports movie like this. Mm-hmm. But and I, I don't think she's ri- like she's written the same as I think a lot of like she, they don't give her extra to do I feel like mm-hmm. but she delivers her lines with such like energy like she just brings such a new different dynamic into the movie when she's reintroduced in the like at the end of the second act beginning of the third mm-hmm. and like definitely takes over those scenes that that she is in she has this kind of intensity and almost like she's always yelling at him but in a very nice amy adams way that makes Mm. it extra funny and weird (laughs) yeah she she was also not super big at this point i think she'd maybe been nominated for junebug or was the same year um and then the next year has uh enchanted but i do think it's funny that she has you know that scene in the bar with feral where she's like telling him to get his act together and everything and basically borderline the exact same beats as a scene she has at the very beginning of vice with christian bale it's <laughs> it's kind of crazy just recycling the same speech. <laughs> yeah i i think one of my favorite parts of the movie is at the climax when they're cars are crashing and it's going on for so long and then they cut away to the applebee's commercial (laughs) i think that it's such a smart move because that is probably i think the funniest joke in the movie is cutting away to that applebee's commercial which when you think about it in comedy terms of it's the climax so you should have a really great joke Mm -hmm. during your climax moment and they really pulled it off in a way that is fun and surprising well, and it really just ties into like you can feel uh, McKay's influence specifically with the with that sort of commentary, especially mm-hmm. with the sponsorship stuff on the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like that's the most McKay joke. Like the 
that the driver can't see because yeah. there are so many <laughs> brands on the car. Like, yeah, I know I I like his recent stuff more than a lot of people, but I, I do think like that's the sort of joke that would probably be explained now if it were in yeah. a McKay mm-hmm. movie. Whereas previously, you know, there's no need to explain mm-hmm. because you can see it. Yeah. I was interested in that stuff. Um, I wonder, like, if any of those brands agreed to be in the movie or, or anything. Because, I, you know, I my last job um, in marketing for a big, huge company, like a Fortune 100 company, and I was in marketing and sponsorships, and my team did, we handled, like, product placement and films mm-hmm. and, and movies. So I've gotten to, like, see a little bit of that world and, like, negotiating um, to get, you know, your product into mm-hmm. a big movie or, or something like that. Um cool. And like, there would be times where we would get scripts and look them over and be like, well, like, no, we don't like, you cannot put us <laughs> in this movie because we don't like, like the way that it portrays our technology or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, not that I work for a technology company I'm keeping it vague. So they don't sue me um, for divulging secrets, but we would, yeah, we would like reject scripts because we didn't like how our our company and products were portrayed in them and mm-hmm. so i know there's you know laws that allow you to do that for mm-hmm. a comedy but i i was curious if like powerade at the the dinner table or um anything like that paid or participated in any way trying to get into into the movie yeah so i read a little bit about that and it sounds like it's kind of all over the place some of them wanted to be in and it, they were actual partnership deals but also many of them had no interest and they yeah. just put them, put them in there anyway. Um, like Perrier had no involvement in this movie, you know, <laughs> it's the perfect sponsor for his character. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like that's it. They never like talk about it or anything. It's just on his car and his suit. And yeah. it makes every time it shows up. Oh, Sasha Baron Cohen is so, so great. Good. I love this. I love him as a villain in this movie too, because it's, pretty much the villain should always be the antithesis of your you know your themes and your character and your protagonist but i love that the antithesis of this american nascar guy is a gay frenchman (laughs) who is so good at racing too (laughs) raises dogs (laughs) that was has a lovely partner (laughs) as horses who are also gay I love um I love that his motivation at the end too is not like I want to destroy you, but just like I want to he's rooting for Ricky. He's like, mm-hmm. I want you to be better than like I want you to be I see greatness in you. I recognize mm-hmm. that we are different, but there's greatness in you and I want to help bring it out of you so that I can be defeated by somebody who's truly better than me. I think that's a very funny I love when a villain gets a a chance to like reveal their motivations and it's like much more elaborate and complex mm-hmm. than it, than it <laughs> yeah. needs for the story at all that always makes me laugh yeah i think th- that whole character is incredibly well written and obviously performed but the fact that that he doesn't come across as like this sort of homophobic caricature is quite impressive for 2006 i think you know? well i think that speaks to Adam McKay's uh, satire chops, which he really, you know, flexes more lately, but it is, it, it does walk a very thin line between making fun of NASCAR and 
and that kind of culture and kind of laughing with it that they walk really well and I think that character is a good embodiment of uh, pushing that line a little bit further mm-hmm. yeah it's crazy that um Sasha Baron Cohen has multiple movies where at the climax it's it's him kissing another man in front of uh, an incredibly large crowd because uh, you got this and you got Bruno and I believe when it when he did it in Bruno um you know I think they were like chased out of the of the state immediately um by UFC fans so NASCAR fans slightly more progressive there you go <laughs> um let's see we should maybe mention the Judd involvement this is this is strangely, uh, you know, an Apatow production. It doesn't really feel like it, but I mean, there are some some areas where where maybe it almost it does, feels but... like it more just in the casting of of mm-hmm. it. You mm-hmm. get a lot of Judd regulars. I feel like in this movie, that's true, and you get some uh, some of the sort of linearama alt, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I think totally it doesn't it definitely doesn't have that like melancholy kind of Judd feel like there's I guess a little bit at the end when when Ricky and Cal like reunite and kind of mend fences, especially after the race when Cal like asks him to do shake and bake again. And he's Mm -hmm. like, never, never again. And it's funny because now he's got, you know, Magic Man and El Diablo, which Mm -hmm. is very, (laughs) very silly. But there is like a feeling of of sadness to it also mm. that like they've been you know th- like the first scene the second scene of the movie is them in school mm-hmm. um, like they've been friends their whole lives and like you can definitely feel like a sense of ending to that chapter but mm-hmm. it's not throughout the movie in any in any way no i mean you definitely i think maybe it's just sort of a testament to john c Riley's uh performance but i think like the the moment that's maybe the most emotionally felt is in the climax where he's just asking like, now why would, if you, yeah, <laughs> you sleep with and marry your best friend's <laughs> wife, why would he apologize to you? Uh, like he's, he plays just the second fiddle so well, it, you know, well, that yeah. I wonder if that affects his ego. At all. <laughs> maybe that's why I he was him. so mean to Cody. Yeah. <laughs> That's why he Just pretended to be that. on his phone. <laughs> I love when he calls and he's afraid of the ghost in the house. Um, and <laughs> I love the intro to the scene when you find out that he's married Carly and Will Ferrell walks in and they're playing Jenga and <laughs> they, yeah. they his face over the family portrait. All that stuff is funny. Like the like Jenga song that they made up. Jenga, Jenga, Jenga. My concho stuff was very good. Yeah. I spread yeah. my butt cheeks. I feel like I watched a version of this movie this time. I feel like I thought I remembered like multiple characters getting to talk to Ricky in the hospital. And I feel like I watched a version last night that only had um only had Carly and uh Cal Martin Jr. And, but there was like Lucius, I thought he got to do one and that wasn't in the yeah. movie this time. Um I watched it on HBO Max, so I don't know if they had a different okay version mm-hmm. or something because there was also a scene at the beginning that i was like i don't think i've ever seen this scene before in the movie. 
Um, it's like the second or third one where so it's after he's been born, and then his mom like walks into a gas station when he's younger and he like starts Drive driving. Home. Oh, that that scene's always in there. Okay, but I, I had never seen that one before. Um, but, but yeah, yeah, I thought there, there are a, the hospital scene I thought ended earlier than I remembered. Could be there's I know there's an unrated cut. Okay, that's slightly yeah, maybe longer. I just watched so that maybe yeah. before yeah. What? How did this uh, movie do in the box office? Bafo Bio. It did Bafo Bio, but n- not in a way that would be seen as a huge hit now necessarily, because it had a budget of seventy-two million dollars, which Ooh. is wow huge for a comedy. You and think it, that's just because like the car stuff? Yeah, and, yeah. and I mean Farrell is getting his full quote um, of twenty million at the time. I believe <laughs> it was. Um, yeah. But it makes 147 domestic, which is huge, but only 16 million overseas. Um, Farrell's movies never um, really were big internationally. Um, So generally, the rule of thumb for profitability, you know, is like 2.5 worldwide. But because this made almost all of its money in the United States, that probably gets them closer to profitability. But the big thing is if you made a big comedy in 2006, you're guaranteed close to $100 million in home video yeah. revenue, which yeah, almost all goes to the studio. So I think they were able to have big budget comedies that would make money in theaters, but then the home video really puts it in the black. But yeah, it was huge. That makes sense. Yeah, and critically well-received as well, from mm-hmm. what I read. Yeah. Better received than Anchorman by a bit. Certainly mm-hmm. better received than Step Brothers. I feel like maybe this is just anecdotal, and I don't talk to a, you know a ton of people who like movies, but I feel like it doesn't have the lasting like legacy and reputation of either of those two movies. I feel like when I talk to people about Feral or when I hear them talk about it, it's like Anchorman and Step Brothers are the two that... I, I feel like are his his lasting you know memories for a lot of people. I think it's maybe because uh, the Ron Burgundy character is just yeah. sort of has reached like level of iconography that I feel like it's more the character and also the fact that there are like three scenes in that movie that are just so easy to remember. Mm-hmm. Um, could be it because I don't know. This is clearly a better movie than a lot of those are so i feel like this movie too is it's more uh since it's a sports movie i feel like it's more something my brother would probably watch who's like not really into movies but like sports you know mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. will ferrell it is a uh, one of christopher nolan's favorite movies i, I read that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i read something i said <laughs> This is one of Christopher Nolan's favorite movies. He said it's, quote, good. (laughs) (laughs) I know the two comedies that I know Christopher Nolan likes are this and MacGruber. Wow, he's got great taste. Yeah, which is interesting because I don't think he's ever put a joke into his movies. Now, the Joker's quite funny. (laughs) Oh, God. Don't even mention him. Yeah. What do you think in terms of it leading to other things? Mostly the collaboration between Adam and Kay, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, I feel like continues mm-hmm. to grow stronger 
and they do more and more big movies which then lead them to getting to do some of their more personal projects Mm -hmm. yeah this really cements them as a partnership um yeah sort of all three of them like you're saying um specifically get stepbrothers made because that movie would not have gotten made just based on anchorman i don't think no i don't think so although it's probably closer in tone to anchorman do you think definitely it's just yeah i i love that movie but it is shocking that 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 it exists to be honest Uh, also that's the first r-rated movie i saw in the theater it was was awkward did you see it with your parents i saw it with my dad and it was just us and then this one random lady in the theater who came and sat next to us we love when people do that which was weird (laughs) and then she moved but it was weird and then she moved yeah she sat in a bunch of different spots i remember it was (laughs) Dakota, thanks again for doing this. Yeah. We really appreciate it. It's been I fun. Have a, I have yeah. a, a, a thing that I'd like to show. I know it's a, I'll describe it. The visual, <laughs> I have a story. Please. So when uh-huh. I was, um, when I was, I don't know, I was probably like 12. So like 2010 or so. So a couple years after this movie came out mm-hmm. and I'm a big baseball fan. And I was at a, um, a minor league baseball game at the the team uh the like the local team i was living in wilmington delaware at the time so it was the the single a wilmington blue rocks affiliated at the kansas city royals and my little league team did a thing where like you got to have the players like run out to the positions at the start of the game with the players on that team mm-hmm. um so my my little league team was there and that night they it wasn't even a promotion it was just like a guy at the stadium showed up in a wonder bread like NASCAR suit, NASCAR hat, <laughs> and was like walking around the stadium, like interacting with with people, uh, and calling himself Ricky Bobby. And <laughs> he came up to our little league baseball team, and I got him to sign this. Uh, oh. My it's blurry, but I do have my my baseball signed uh, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. One from That's great <laughs> from that stranger in the Wonder <laughs> Wow, I Adam hope you never lose that in Delaware. Um, and I, I wanted to to share that. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny that he did that. Yeah. How random. There, I mean, maybe he had been hired by them, but they weren't like it wasn't. Like, they didn't advertise that it was going to be like holiday. <laughs> like there was nothing to like point to the fact that he would be with them in any way. <laughs> It'd be even funnier if he was the character that takes over the Wonder Bread car after Ricky Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> Why would? It it would be weirder if they did hire someone to do that. Yeah, <laughs> I think minor league baseball teams yeah. do get a little crazy just because they don't make very much money, and so they will like do any hijinks they can to get fans to attend. Um, <laughs> like they'll be especially like single A because it's so low. They're like they'll do all kinds of wacky stuff. So I could see a world where a team does that, but they also like will market the heck out of it to like get people to to want to go but i just like i don't know i don't really see the appeal of like ricky bot one person in a ricky bobby costume <laughs> like five years after that movie has come out yeah. <laughs> in wilmington delaware um That's so funny. and not advertising at all so i think it was just a guy but it, it would be <laughs> funnier in a different way if, if he was affiliated with the team maybe it was like a player um he had the day off i don't know but yeah <laughs> 
as Dakota a baseball Wood. fan, what do you think of the new pitching clock? Big fan. It's wonderful. Yeah. yeah, big endorsement. I don't know if you two have watched any baseball since it started, but it's, mm-hmm. it's it sounds good. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's going to cut games. hours off the game. Yeah, there's been some games I've watched and Grinch and I'm watching the Mariners who aren't scoring a lot of runs. So the games are <laughs> going faster than, <laughs> than most. But there's been games I've watched that have been like two hours to two hours and 15 minutes. So it's like just watching a movie now, which is amazing. <laughs> um, whereas, instead of you know, watching like two movies. Yeah, instead of it being like four and a half hours. Instead so I feel a freaking miniseries. It's, it's great. Big fan <laughs> of it. And I, I hope they keep uh, enforcing it. I have one final question for you, which is: Would you would you throw out the first pitch at a at a game if you were asked to? Yeah, I don't know why they would ask me. Well, I guess I'm really small, so it could be like a marketing thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, come watch the smallest person alive throw out a first pitch. See a the guy who's as, as big, big as, as a ball. You. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be fun. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say no, just because I feel like if you do that, then they like you get to meet some of the players and they probably give you like a Jersey and, and that sort of stuff. But I, I mean, I, I wouldn't be in it for like the, the fame <laughs> fortunes that come. With it. <laughs> Everybody knows if you throw famous. it out, you'd be instantly become the most famous person in the yeah. world. <laughs> if you threw out, you know how, like, I feel like the ones that go viral are the people who do it really bad. Mm-hmm. Would you do it really bad on purpose just to like get the, get big on the internet? I don't think they'd have to do it on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't even leave the mitt if I were doing it. (laughs) Just keep the ball. Walk away with it. Webbed in there. (laughs) (laughs) All right, because you're Spider Man. Uh huh. Oops, should I have not have said that? (laughs) It's okay. My pal, Stephen Strange, will cast a little spell and make sure no one remembers you said that. Well, next week, we are talking about the Melissa McCarthy film that Hubby has no involvement with, and that's why it's a classic. Spy. <laughs> if I'm, I'm sure he's in it, though. I'm sure. Those two are pretty much glued at the hip. It's strange, because they like to do things together. Well, we'll see you, see you all next week. Dakota, anything anything you want to ask people to check out? No, I don't have uh, social media. And right on. I guess Velocity Global is the company I work for. If you're in need of an employer of record, <laughs> we're, we're, we're looking to sell employer of record services. Should people find you on LinkedIn? I am on LinkedIn. <laughs> I do or have Letterbox. that. For, for my, I do have Letterbox, yeah. I don't really, I don't think of that as much as social media because I I more use it just to like keep I because I did all that stuff in a spreadsheet before I had Letterboxd anyway <laughs> so it's just an easier way to keep track of what I'm watching. But anything you'd like an endorsement in on LinkedIn? Sure, and everything endorse all my skills. Okay. I don't even know what they are right now. I haven't updated it in a little bit, but yeah, feel free to go in, uh, add me on LinkedIn, offer me a job, anything. Well, we'll include your LinkedIn profile in the episode description. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll see you all next time. Bye.